This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express Card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat, like, a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. And welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And I'm Amy Reese. And today we're talking about one of the things that I shouldn't eat. Oh, it's one of my favorite things. It's garlic. 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 I use it probably every day. And in college, people would know I was cooking because the whole dorm would smell (laughs) like garlic. And it's a great pet name. I recently ran into a dog named Garlic and I was like, no, that's that's a really good name. That's high quality. Yeah. I like it a lot. Oh man, that's too bad, Lauren. Well, uh, <laughs> what is it? Garlic, what is it? Well, it, it comes from the lily family. It does. It's closely related to the onion, shallot, chive, and leek, and is native to Central Asia. The word traces back to the old English word for spear leek, or garlic. <laughs> yeah, gar was a word for, for a type of spear or spearhead. Yeah. Exactly. Scientifically, it goes by allium sativum. Non-scientifically, it goes by stinking rose. Or natural antibiotic, Russian penicillin, vegetable Viagra, and plant talisman. I hope that that has you, your interest peaked. <laughs> um, slang from the 1920s, America might refer to garlic as halitosis, Italian perfume, and Bronx vanilla. So it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of names. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is called a garlic bulb, and each bulb has about 10 to 12 individual segments called garlic cloves. It's a perennial with bees and other insects doing the pollinating. It can grow up to four feet, or about 1.2 meters, and is one tough plant. 
The USDA classifies it as a hardiness zone 8, meaning it can withstand temperatures from 12 degrees Celsius or 10 degrees Fahrenheit to negative 7 degrees Celsius or 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Perhaps thanks to this hardiness, it's pretty easy to grow and it's grown all over. Garlic that's going to be sold fresh is actually still harvested by hand. And uh, each segment or clove is a potentially working seed. You can plant them separately and they'll segment and grow into bulbs. And the stems of some garlic plants called scapes are also used in cooking. They're a little bit like scallions. Yeah. There are just tons of varietals of Allium sativum, plus a few species of onion, uh, genus Allium, that are commonly called garlic, like elephant garlic, which is actually part of the leek family, which explains why it's kind of milder and more leaky tasting than true garlic. Makes sense. The two main sub-varieties of sativum are softneck and hardneck garlics, named for the types of stalks that grow up from the garlic's bulb or root. Softnecks have flexible stalks, suitable for braiding once they're dry, and hardnecks have stiff stalks. Makes sense. It does. A variety of softneck called artichoke is probably the most common in American groceries. Hardnecks tend to be a little bit like spicier and more garlicky. Uh, softnecks, a little bit more delicate and grassy tasting. All of the sub-varieties... Sub that wasn't me just stuttering like I sometimes do, like sub-varieties of these sub-varieties. They all have slightly different flavor profiles, which can be really fun to play with if you're into that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, the internet can tell you all about them. Black garlic, by the way, that kind of chewy, sweeter, more subtle, dark-colored garlic does not grow that way. It's regular old garlic that has been gently fermented. <laughs> Bacteria poop wins again! Bacteria <sighs> poop always wins. Yes. <laughs> Each year, Americans eat about 250 million pounds of garlic, or about 2.5 pounds per person on average. However, if you think that's a lot, the South Koreans have us way beat with a yearly 22 pounds per person. China is the largest producer, though, coming in at an annual 20 tons, and that is about 80% of global production. During the Chinese garlic craze of 2009 to 2010, garlic was more valuable than gold. And although the value of American garlic production was about $232 million as of 2013, Americans are the largest importers of fresh garlic. Most garlic used as food in the United States, uh, about about 75% of the market is actually dehydrated and used in processed foods, uh, soups, frozen meals, garlic bread, salad dressing, etc. Uh-huh. South Korea is the third largest garlic producer And garlic even plays a role in the myth of Korea's founding. According to this myth, a tiger and a bear prayed to the king, who was God's son, to be reincarnated as a human. In response, the king gave them mugwort, 20 garlic cloves, and instructed them to find a cave, eat those things, pray, and in 100 days, if they didn't see sunlight, they'd get their wish. Mm. The tiger didn't have the patience and gave up. But the bear made it 100 days and became a woman. Oh. This woman asked God for a son, and God's son, the king, answered the call, temporarily turning into a man, marrying her, and together they had a son. He became the king and Korea's founder. Huh. Yeah. As of 2005, garlic was the top-selling herbal dietary supplement in the United States, accounting for over $27 million in sales. Yes, and I have an interesting story about this. Oh. A personal anecdote. Yeah? Yes, I had a friend um, 
And she was a nurse working in Africa. And she was also, uh, I lived with her briefly when she got back from Africa. Mm-hmm. It turns out she got worms while she was there. Oh, no. She contracted worms. Uh-huh. And um, everyone she knew that had been in close contact with her was recommended to take garlic supplements. Oh, wow. Because they didn't want, unless you had like outright symptoms. They didn't want to treat you. Because apparently it horrible side effects. Oh. You can, you can have horrible side effects uh-huh. from sure, the sure. pill. Uh, that you take to get rid of any kind of parasites. So they suggested garlic in case any worse symptoms came up. So I had to take garlic supplement huh. for a while. And it also I had um, an aunt who took it for her heart heart health. Oh. We will be talking about the veracity and potential uses of some of this throughout history and modern day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's there's a whole whole bunch of it. Right. Right. But first we have to talk about the Toronto Garlic Festival. <laughs> Toronto has a garlic festival, and I want to go to there. There's a lot of garlic-themed festivals around. Uh, one of the biggest in the U- in the U.S. is California's Gilroy Garlic Festival, held every summer in Gilroy, a town with some serious garlic processing industry. But but seriously, they're all over the place. Like, you want a garlic festival? Like, we can get you to a garlic festival. Done, done, and done. <laughs> Field trip. <laughs> yes. Um, these days, it is traditionally used as a spice. Around the turn of the 20th century, French chef ex-Marcel Boulston said, It is not really an exaggeration to say that peace and happiness begin, geographically, where garlic is used in cooking. Aww. <laughs> but as with, I don't know, everything we talk about, it was and is first used medicinally. So let's start talking about history. Garlic goes back probably about 6,000 years. From 2,600 to 2,100 BCE, the Sumerians used garlic as a healing agent. The current thought is that from Sumeria, it spread to China, and then from there, it spread to Japan and Korea. Some food historians dispute this, though, believing China to be the place of origin instead. Whatever the case, records of garlic being used as a health remedy in ancient China go back to 2,700 BCE, even being prescribed as an antidepressant, which I found very interesting. I guess garlic makes me happy. I mean, aside from the stomach troubles. I was about to say. Yeah. Well. I wish it was true. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was also mainly used, though, for diarrhea and worm infestation. And in combination therapy, it was prescribed to treat insomnia, fatigue, headache, and male impotence. Oh. Because it had heating and stimulating properties, it was designated as yang in the context of uh, yin yang, yin and yang. But um, these same properties precluded it from Buddhism and also allegedly Japanese cuisine. Hmm. Yeah. In ancient India, garlic was recommended for all sorts of stuff from lack of appetite, cough, rheumatism, skin disease, weakness, hemorrhoids. The list goes on and on. The Bible mentions garlic. When Moses and the Hebrews left Egypt, it's written that they missed, quote, the fish, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. Hmm. Ancient Egyptians were big fans. Oh, yeah, huge. (laughs) Just the biggest fans. They used it as currency, and they sculpted garlic bulbs out of clay and put them in King Tut's tomb, and not just his tomb. Eternal garlic. (laughs) Yes, eternal garlic. They put it in a lot of tombs, some dated back to 3,700 BCE, and possibly it was used in the mummification process. Egyptian slaves might have been given a daily ration of garlic to keep them strong for pyramid building. According to Herodotus, 
Inscriptions on the plates of the Egyptian pyramids tell us how much their builders used the garlic for this vegetable. Then he gives a number, which in modern day terms was approximately $30 million. What? Yes. Huh. And our old pal Pliny commented in his works of garlic 23 medicinal uses that you, the Egyptians listed. Oh, hey, we've been saying his name wrong this whole time. It's apparently pronounced Pliny. Um, and thank you to Ben for writing in on Facebook about that. See, I've had other listeners write in and say, please keep saying it that way. And oh. they, yeah, so I've just been. <laughs> oh, is the fight about to break And they out. all point out the beer, right? I bet the beer came up in California. Uh, he, he, he didn't mention oh. that. But... Well, I, I'm pretty sure he is correct, but there is like a joke. <laughs> to keep saying it away because of a beer. I don't know. Okay. Yes. <laughs> well, Pliny or Pliny, either way. Either way. He's our good friend. He is. He is also on our bingo card. Yeah. The 1,550 BCE Evers Papyrus out of Egypt listed 32 illnesses garlic could heal. Another miscellaneous papyrus fragment from 1,200 BCE Egypt included a test for female sterility that called for a woman to place a peeled garlic clove in her vagina, keep it there overnight, then see if her breath had any garlic smell in the morning. If yes, you would have children, according uh, to this. Okay, this is this is my favorite science extension of the episode, because you, you can totally apply crushed garlic topically to your skin and have it wind up triggering your taste uh, smell sensory system. Ooh. Um, the American Chemical Society released a really fun video about this a couple years back. Uh, one of the flavor compounds in garlic called allicin um, can enter the bloodstream through the skin. I'm not sure whether this means that your breath would wind up smelling like garlic, though. I haven't I haven't actually tried it myself. Mm. Also, don't don't put things in your vagina that are not meant to go in your vagina. You can walk away from this episode with that. Yeah. The, the, the ACS's video involved crushed garlic in a bag on your foot. Totally. Yeah. Words Just, to live by. Yeah. Well, I wasn't aware that would have to be a thing in a podcast, but <laughs> it was and we're moving on from it. In Egypt, other nearby ancient cultures that interacted with Egypt got the idea to use garlic as a remedy. The Talmud called for a meal featuring garlic on Fridays and mentioned its potential as an aphrodisiac. Oh, we're racking up that bingo. We are. The ancient Israelis used it for hunger, blood pressure, a body heater, and a killer of parasites. The Babylonians used garlic as a remedy for stomach aches. And the ancient Greeks, they were garlic groupies too. A Greek market in Athens had an entire section devoted to several different types of garlic. <sighs> mm -hmm. Garlic bulbs were found in Gnosis Palace, located on the island of Crete. In what is sometimes called Europe's first city, Greeks' first Olympic athletes were given garlic to improve their score in an example of one of the first performance enhancers. Huh. Yeah. And in the same vein, Greek soldiers might receive some garlic from their commander leading up to a big battle. Hippocrates suggested it for all sorts of health things, particularly for intestinal parasites and as a diuretic. Later, in the first century CE, Greek physician Dioscorides espoused garlic's curative uses for things ranging from baldness, menstrual cycle re regulation, leprosy, seasickness, colic relief, an antiparasitic, and in combination with wine, for a snake bite, which earned garlic the nickname snake grass. That huh. sounds oh, way have... cooler than garlic, but I wouldn't know what I was getting. 
Snake grass. Snake grass. Yeah. Some writings suggest that poor people sleeping outdoors would rub garlic juice on themselves to keep away the snakes. So it must have been fairly common. Uh, at least it was fairly commonly thought to, yeah. <laughs> to help out with that. Also, if a rabid dog bit you, you, you were recommended putting some garlic right on the wound. One thing, though, you were not allowed into temples after eating the rank roses, a.k.a. garlic. The smell was thought to offend the gods. (laughs) (laughs) Greek mythology suggested that garlic might be the key to discovering immortality. But unrelated to that particular story, Greek travelers would leave garlic at crossroads with statues of the dark Greek goddess Hecate for protection and to confuse any demonic followers in a ritual called Hecate Supper. Once you put down your garlic offering, you did not look back. Because oh. you'd see her and her hellhounds and it'd scar you for life. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that very serious. It was. I didn't, okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> also very serious. The first bridal bouquets in Greece had garlic and brides wore crowns of garlic bulbs to keep evil spirits away. And garlic is still a part of some wedding traditions to this day, whether a groomsman sews it in his jacket or puts it in his buttonhole for luck and to try to keep evil away. Just kind of a tradition that's hung around, you know? Yeah, yeah. But not everyone in the ancient world was a fan of garlic. No. And uh, the Romans, and I feel like they have come out against a lot of things in our episodes. They're yeah. Like against butter. It seems a little arbitrary to me personally. but <laughs> Well, they begrudgingly admitted it had some useful medicinal properties. It might make you stronger. It might increase your endurance. But to them, that breath, man. No, not worth it. No. Mm-mm. They couldn't get past it, and they certainly wouldn't willingly put it in their food. <laughs> in fact, the Apicios, which was this Roman collection of recipes, only referenced garlic twice, and both in small amounts and both times to settle a sick stomach. Hmm. A farming handbook out of Rome claimed, If one eats garlic in advance, one will be immune to pest and other noxi- noxious creatures. <laughs> so, you know, medicinal use, but... It was viewed as a food for peasants or soldiers and sailors or aforementioned strength and stamina. Despite the smell, it was still seen as an aphrodisiac. (laughs) I do not understand that. Um, And was allegedly used to that end uh, at Roman orgies. Hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The nobility in India held similar opinions. They thought garlic was a foul foreign food. No garlic was allowed at ceremonies, and the first time it appeared in Sanskrit writings was around 300 BCE as a treatment for heart disease, arthritis, fatigue, weakness, digestive issues, and worm infestations. Chakra wrote of it, But for its unpleasant odor, garlic would be costlier than gold. Hmm. Mm. Since it was seen as an aphrodisiac, widows, monks, and young people were advised to avoid it. Oh. Yeah, I never really thought about that. Garlic danger, I yeah. see. <laughs> All right. A bunch of writers mentioned garlic in the first centuries of the new millennium. Celsus used it for tuberculosis and fever, Gawain for colic and digestive ailments. He called it the rustic's theriac in the most popular folk remedy. And Columel claimed it was being used for, say it with me now, an aphrodisiac. Wow. The Assyrians used garlic to bring down a fever, to relieve constipation and muscle inflammation, and to rid yourself of intestinal parasites. The Slavic people used it for snake bites and also spider bites, lice, and ulcers around 7th century CE. 
which brings us to the Middle Ages. And it also brings us to a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. (laughs) Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so garlic's use as a remedy only went up in the Middle Ages. Monks grew it at monasteries, so they got over the bad breath, I guess. (laughs) And Arabic physicians prescribed garlic quite a bit, too. The medical school at Salerno put garlic in the class of a hot food, meant to be eaten in the winter months to help out your heart and your lungs. They even had a poem about it. Poetry. I love this. Oh, great. Since garlic hath powers to save you from death, bear with it, though it make unsavory breath. And scorn not garlic like some may think. It only makes men wink and drink and stink. (laughs) (laughs) Lovely. So many other physicians mentioned it. So many. It was used during the Black Plague, and it was thought to keep diseased mosquitoes away. Around this time, too... 
Stories of Garlic's ability to ward off a whole slew of evil things started popping up. It could keep away vampires. More on that in a minute. Uh, nymphs, known to harass engaged and pregnant women. Mm. And a garlic ne- necklace provided protection against the evil eye. Different cultures used it to keep demonic forces at bay, to deter witches and sorcerers. And thanks to garlic's resemblance to a human head in India... I still don't see it. (laughs) I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Uh In India, some thought that demons wanted garlic just as badly as human blood. In Buddhist lore, garlic comes from the blood of a demonic spirit slain at the hands of Vishnu, whereas in Islamic myth, garlic comes to us courtesy of Satan's left foot. At one time in England and India, garlic may have been used as part of an exorcism. All these things might explain why people so readily accepted garlic's use as a medicine, since at the time, a lot of illnesses were thought to be caused by evil spirits and the like. Right. Right. In Korea, people used to eat garlic to keep away tigers. And in some parts of Africa, they did the same for crocodiles. We hear at Foodstuff... Do not recommend either of these as your main strategy. Yeah. Crocodile or tiger evasion. No, no. I, you know, it, a supplement, sure, but. <laughs> yes. Not your main strategy. But not your, not your main strategy. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Despite Charlemagne mentioning garlic in 700 CE being of Italian origin, food historians think garlic was most likely introduced to Western Europe by soldiers returning from the Crusades. While it was widely accepted as a curative, still... Not so much as a food. No. No. The smell of it was associated with poverty. However, it did occasionally pop up on wealthy European tables and sauces, particularly one that I'm pretty sure inspired aioli, um, but only in small amounts still. Mm-hmm. And one king, Alfonso of Castile, forbade any knight who had consumed garlic or onions from speaking to other courtiers and from the court itself for four weeks after. Oh, wow. Four weeks. <laughs> I suppose it would have been really difficult to get rid of bad breath back then. Oh, sure. That's actually it. We should return to that in a future episode. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. All right. Perfect. <laughs> Though it was probably grown in the wild before this, by 1548, garlic made its way from the Mediterranean Sea to Britain, where it was once again prescribed to fight off intestinal parasites, animal bites, stomach ailments, and the plague, along with dandruff, skin diseases, toothache, and dropsy. Unless we not forget about imperialism. Oh. No. Cortez wrote in 1604 of the indigenous Peruvians, they esteemed garlic above all the roots of Europe. In North America, chives like the Choctaw were already growing garlic. When the Europeans showed up, they liked to use it in their tea. Oh, and just to fill out that bingo card, <laughs> Columbus. Yes, that Columbus had one basket of garlic on his cargo manifest. Huh. Yeah. Gradually, well-off French and Italians started to add garlic to their cuisine. Some things I came across suggested that in the late 16th century, King Henry IV was baptized in garlic water to grant him protection from both disease and evil spirits. Okay. I read another fun, maybe not true thing, that a thousand folks at Marseille used garlic against the spread of an epidemic plague. Supposedly, French gravediggers drank wine with crushed garlic added with the idea that it would ward off the plague. And corpses in this time were sometimes embalmed with it, or they'd put garlic cloves in their mouths, noses, and ears. Not the corpses, but, you know, people doing the embalming uh, to keep evil spirits, vampires, and the like away. 
in America. Amelia Simmons, frequently mentioned on this podcast, 1796 cookbook, American Cookery, had this to say about the subject. Garlics, though used by the French, are better adapted to the uses of medicine than cookery. Hmm. So we weren't on board yet. No. Speaking of the French, Alexander Dumas wrote in the 1800s, Provençal cooking is based on garlic. The air in Provence is impregnated with the aroma of garlic, which makes it very helpful to breathe. And I read a lot of places that it was very, it was regional. Yeah. It's regionally popular in France and Italy, but not. But not widespread. Right. Louis Pasteur noted that garlic was an extremely effective bacteria killer in 1858. John Gunn's 1878 Home Book of Health prescribed garlic for infections as a diuretic for asthma and just generally for good health. And as we move into the 20th century, we see garlic used to treat typhoid fever, cholera, and diphtheria in 1918 Beirut. That same year in France, it was used to treat Spanish fever. And during the 1917-18 flu epidemic in the U.S., people going out would wear garlic necklaces. Oh. Wow. I can't imagine that happening today. Right? Yeah. British citizens were tasked with supplying as much garlic as they could as an antiseptic for soldiers during World War I. And as for that Russian penicillin thing, Russian physicians had a long history of prescribing garlic for respiratory issues, especially in children, but also as sort of a prep for pilots, even into World War II when penicillin had been invented. Hence, Russian, Russian penicillin. penicillin. Yeah. Hmm. Also, garlic vodka apparently was used for the flu. <laughs> I love that so many people's like concept of medicine is like, put this thing that we think will help into this alcohol that we're drinking. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Extra healthy. Okay. So how did it become as common as salt, at least in the U.S.? For for food, for seasoning, right. Yeah. Right. How, how did we get over this? It's just a medicine concept. Right. Remember, it wasn't super popular. And in the early 20th century in the U.S., it was viewed as cheap, an ingredient used by poor immigrants. Uh, I believe we mentioned in a previous episode, Italian immigrants were derisively called garlic lovers. This even comes up in It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. Yeah, evil Mr. Potter calls the Italian immigrants George Bailey gives loans to George Bailey's garlic eaters. Oh. That's gone over my head. I've yeah. also only seen that movie once, so I don't know. Uh, I never picked up on it. No, me neither. It was also used to discrimi discriminate against Jewish people and Koreans. Seriously, it, it's upsetting. Um, there was this whole concept of Jewish stink. And sweet-smelling Christians. Mm. If a Jewish person converted and was baptized, they could get rid of their inherent bad smell. And that oh, is a quote. wow. Yeah. Um, this concept was so entrenched that the Nazis issued garlic bulb buttons you could wear to show the world just how anti-Semitic you were. Wow. Which is horrible. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Yep. <clears throat> but, uh, but it did, the, those, those uh, negative perceptions did start changing. They did. Towards the end of the war, actually. And this changed um, thanks to food writer James Beard. Uh, he wrote um, of a garlic chicken recipe calling for not one, not two, not three, but 40. 40? <laughs> cloves of garlic. He Ooh. prescribed garlic as a faithful friend for almost any type of seasoning. Use with discretion. <laughs> one theory about about how uh, garlic became a little bit more popular and widespread in the U.S. is that as soldiers were coming back from wars overseas, uh, World War One and Two specifically, through the first half of the century, they were bringing with them a taste for garlic. Mm -hmm. Dozens of recipes called for garlic, and Craig 
Claiborne's 1960s New York Times cookbook. In the 60s and 70s, Julia Child advised her viewers to no longer look at garlic as suspiciously foreign, probably subversive, and certainly very lower class. <laughs> um, from the 1980s through today, American garlic consumption has more than quadrupled, mm-hmm. a surge larger than for any other vegetable uh, during this time. Theories for why this is uh, include the rising popularity of foods and restaurants based on other cultures, good press about the potential health benefits of garlic, and demand for those garlic dietary supplements. Mm-hmm. Garlic production has been down in recent years, though, not due to lack of demand, but rather due to changing weather patterns. As hardy as garlic is, mild winters prevent bulbs from developing as robustly as normal. And this likely applies to every type of produce that we talk about, y'all. But, but like, yes, climate change may affect garlic production going forward, making it more rare and expensive. Yeah. Well, that's a an upbeat note to end this history slash modern day segment. Yeah. Oh, but it does segue nicely into science. Science. Yes. But first, a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express Card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, Another thing from their passion fruit I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. (laughs) Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on the Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. 
Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. So uh, I'm going to start the science section here with a cooking tip. Ooh. Um, we mentioned earlier that one of the flavor compounds that makes garlic, you know, garlicky is called allicin. And this compound is not found in whole cloves of garlic. It's made by a chemical reaction when the tissue of the clove is disrupted by being crushed or cut. When that happens, an enzyme called alanase acts on this amino acid called allin and converts it to allicin. Mm. So if you want a strong, a stronger garlic flavor, crush or chop it and then let it kind of sit and hang out for up to 15 minutes before you use it, thus allowing this enzyme to do its work. Man, I'm glad you mentioned this because a lot of times that's a step I'll disregard. Oh. You know, I'm like, oh, You're like just scrub, whatever. I don't have time for this. Yeah. But now that I know it might improve <laughs> the flavor. Yeah. Um, also, the smaller and more disrupted that you make your garlic via chopping and crushing, the more intense the flavor will be, the more uh, those compounds will get to interact with each other and do the thing. Uh, it might seem unintuitive, yes, but sliced or whole cloves will imp- impart a more mild flavor to a dish. Oh. Also, temperatures above 140 degrees Fahrenheit, that's about 60 degrees Celsius, will inactivate that enzyme alanase. So, yes, cooking garlic, cooked garlic will, will be more mild than raw garlic. Something that we all probably knew, but yes, mention why. Yeah. And, oh, hey, speaking of this compound allicin, yes. some researchers think it's also the reason why garlic can have health benefits as an antioxidant. Mm-hmm. When allicin breaks down during digestion, a couple things that are produced are um, are sulfuric compounds, which can stabilize the free radicals that some researchers think can cause damage to your cells and thus contribute to conditions like cancer and heart disease. And and free free radicals free free radical uh, sidebar sidebar yeah free radicals um, is the fancy name for atoms or molecules in your body that react easily with other atoms or molecules because they have at least one unpaired electron. Think of it think of it like you're at a party. Okay. And some people are walking around with a drink in one hand and a plate of hors d'oeuvres in the other, but some people are only p- carrying a plate. The people carrying just a plate can more easily shake hands with or, like, awkwardly side hug someone that they bump into. They are the free radicals in this scenario. Antioxidants are technically they're molecules that can prevent free radicals from being created in the first place by preventing oxidation. Antioxidants, yes. Uh, But the word is sometimes also applied to molecules that stabilize free radicals. In this scenario, it's that latter thing. The the sulfur compounds are like a host at the party who comes by with a tray of drinks, hands one to the person holding just a plate. And then it becomes harder for the partygoer to interact or to react in chemistry terms. I'm going to start calling people at parties free radicals. <laughs> He's being such a free radical right now. <laughs> However, garlic's exact usefulness as a medicine is still debated. And basically, more research needs to be done to to see exactly how it has these properties that it's been used for for, you know, thousands right. upon thousands of years and and how we can best harness that. Harness the power of garlic. Harness. 
Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> so some some research has indicated that incorporating garlic in your diet may help prevent certain types of cancer, like uh, colon and stomach cancers. Dietary supplements of garlic, by the way, have not been shown to have the same effect. Um, garlic does act as an anticoagulant in your blood, which can help prevent plaque buildup in your arteries and also help prevent blood clots, both of which can lead to heart attack and stroke. But its levels of effectiveness are uncertain. Mm-hmm. There's, as of yet, weak evidence about whether it helps lower high blood pressure. It, it might be it might be more of a preventative thing than like a fix an issue thing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, eating garlic in your diet may be helpful, but talk to a doctor before attempting to fix anything, yeah. especially with a garlic supplement. Uh-huh. Um, uh, definitely also don't take garlic supplements if you're on another prescription blood thinner or if you've just had surgery because since it can act as an anticoagulant. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ble- bleeding can happen bad times. Um, garlic supplements can also interfere with a few medications. So, yeah, always, always check with a medical professional before using dietary supplements. There's some conflicting evidence about whether garlic helps lower bad LDL cholesterol levels. Okay. Fun. Conflicting. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, <laughs> um, there have been preliminary studies into whether garlic supplements have antibiotic properties that can help prevent or fight the common cold. They have seemed to work better than placebo, but more studies need to be done. Uh-huh. And preliminary studies indicate that garlic gel may have antifungal properties when applied topically to help treat wing- ringworm, athlete's foot, and jock itch. Uh-huh. Garlic does not, however, seem to help with another type of fungal infection, uh, yeast infections. (laughs) And now I get to say for the second time in one episode that you should not put things in your vagina that were not meant to go into your vagina. Self-cleaning oven. Eating garlic or supplements doesn't seem to help either, though. Uh, if, if you if you have a yeast infection that you can't get rid of, see a doctor. Don't don't try all the things that the internet tells you to try. Just really, really talk to a doctor. There, there are a few non medicinal or non traditional medicine ways of uh, trying to knock out a yeast infection. So if that's a thing that you're looking for, a doctor can help you with that as well. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, one more one more word about supplements. Yes. Okay. Okay, there are four basic ways that garlic can be processed into supplements. And those methods, as you would imagine, vastly influence what kinds of stuff you'll get out of the supplement. And like remember that one of the most promising compounds in garlic only happens when you crush garlic cell walls to let a reaction happen and then begin to digest the resulting compound. All right? Mm-hmm. So if you're going to go for a supplement, do some research. Uh, what I read seems to indicate that garlic oil macerate capsules are the way to go. Huh. But again, talk to your doctor. Yep. There, there can be adverse effects way worse than just getting a little bit stinkier. Yeah. And speaking of, how do you get rid of that garlic breath? Oh. <laughs> yes. I, in another uh, edition of Annie is Terrible in Relationships, I almost <laughs> broke up with someone... <laughs> Because I was too embarrassed to tell him that I didn't want to kiss because I just had hummus. Oh. And the garlic was really overpowering. Uh-huh. But, you know, eventually I had to admit it. And he was like, why didn't you just say that? Anyway, um, <laughs> the Internet tells me <laughs> that to get rid of garlic breath, uh, apples, lemon juice, or green tea. Not all together, although I guess you could go that route. Hmm. But, you know, 
I don't, I, if it's a serious issue, <laughs> there's more to be found online. So let's end this episode with why we're all really here. Yeah. Yeah. Vampires. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the food stuff vampire sidebar. I am so excited. Oh, oh, yes. You should be. Is there any truth to this whole garlic keeping away vampires business? And if you're not sure what we're talking about, in popular culture, vampire lore from Mexico, the Philippines, Germany, Hungary, Austria, Portugal, Armenia. I mean, I'm sure there's more right, right in if you've got some. They are all repelled by garlic. All these types of vampires. All these vampires from all over the place. And these are like independently yes. uh, occurring myth- mythos. Like, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. Going back to some of the first vampire stories out of medieval Europe, vampires have detested garlic. One book I read claimed that as recently as the 1970s, a church in Romania handed out garlic for eating to weed out any potential vampires. <laughs> the reason for this is thought to be possibly based on garlic allergies. Or its antibiotic and antifungal properties that we we have just detailed have been there throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, I also read that in Romania, they celebrate St. Andrew's Day on November 29th, which also goes by the Night of the Vampires. Oh, Vampires and other undead are thought to gather near crossroads and abandoned buildings on this day. So people eat a lot of garlic. They perhaps place cloves of garlic around windows and doors, or maybe they make a garlic paste and spread it on the door in a shape of a crucifix. Some young people celebrate by guarding the garlic. Okay. Yeah. Each young woman is tasked with bringing three cloves of garlic to an agreed-upon spot. All of these are gathered in a pot, and this pot is watched over by candlelight by the house's oldest female occupant. All night. Once the sun comes up, the pot is taken outside and is the centerpiece for a dance, Then the garlic is split up and used as sacred symbol to protect against illness or spells. Listeners, please write in if you've seen this or experienced it or if there's any truth to it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Oh, my goodness. Well, anyway, we are in luck, friends, because there has been research into the very (laughs) question of garlic's anti-vampire properties. Wait, what? (laughs) Yeah. In 1994, a group of intrepid scientists, lacking actual vampires, got the idea to use blood-sucking leeches to test this out. Ah. The leeches were given the option of a garlic-smeared hand or a clean, non-garlic-smeared hand. And in two out of three of the cases, the garlic hand was the preferred choice. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But wait, there's more. Uh Uh-huh. While the leeches may have preferred the garlic hand, when they went that route... They only attached for 14.9 seconds, as opposed to the 44.9 seconds they hung on to the other hand without the garlic. Oh, weird. Hmm, interesting. The study concludes, vampires are feared everywhere, but the Balkan region has been especially haunted. This study indicates that garlic possibly attracts vampires. Therefore... To avoid a Balkan-like development in Norway, restrictions on the use of garlic should be considered. Food for thought. <laughs> garlic vampire research. Oh. It was so fun. And there was a lot of it. I, I condensed it. And I'm sure you're like, really? But I did. There's a lot of it out there. 
Oh, I adore humans and and especially scientist humans who do research like that. That's wonderful. Yeah, it was it was very entertaining. That is our garlic episode. Yeah. Oh, it was a doozy. It was uh-huh. a lot. It was. It certainly was. Um, and it brings us to our listener mail. The first one is kind of kind of related to vampires. <laughs> It's from Maja, who is a registered dietitian, and she wrote in about our fad diet episode. I get questions about these on almost daily basis, but the most interesting one you haven't mentioned I got from my mom when she asked me about the moon diet. Yes, the moon diet. One's intake would be based on the cycles of the moon, with the idea that the gravitational pull from the moon will have an effect on the water and or pull toxins from your body, among other beliefs. Hmm, someone needs to go back to physics class to learn that gravitation doesn't work that way and that your body already has organs that allow for detoxification. Needless to say, I cringed when I read about it and thought you might, too. I did. I I literally... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she cringed. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was a deep cringe. It was. Emily wrote in about our yogurt episode. To begin, I was incredibly giddy when I heard you guys mention Bulgaria's part in yogurt. My husband is Bulgarian, and many people do not realize that yogurt is not all about Greece. Yogurt is a huge part of Bulgarian culture. I had to be a quick study under his mother to learn all of the ins and outs of yogurt making. So many Bulgarian dishes and drinks are centered around yogurt. They use it in a similar way that Americans would use sour cream. One of the things I wanted to point out, though, is that Bulgarian yogurt tastes nothing like American or Greek yogurts. Most of the yogurts that we find in our grocery stores are not made with the same cultures. She listed a couple, but oh, that's a lot of Latin. Okay, uh, in order to be considered Bulgarian yogurt, it must have this particular bacteria combination. What I'm trying to say is Bulgarian yogurt is this special gem that very few Americans ever experience. When my husband's family came to America, they were horrified at the sugary, fruity gunk that was sold as yogurt. Luckily, my mother-in-law came to the rescue by teaching us how to make yogurt from the yogurt that we bought. Now we always have a gallon of Bulgarian yogurt in the fridge, and I can make all of his favorite dishes, soups, drinks, and sides. Making your own yogurt sounds complicated, but it is worth it. My best advice is to keep trying. I had a few batches turn out strange, lumpy, cheesy, etc., but those were great opportunities to research what went wrong and perfect my process. I look forward to hearing more podcasts and learning new things from you, too. I'm going to include a few Bulgarian recipes below, and I highly recommend that you try Bulgarian yogurt. And she totally did. Yes. And I really want to try it. Yes. Oh, I wonder how it can be imported. I need to work this out. She said she found some in uh, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, which I believe is near where she lives, but Uh it was really expensive. Oh. Like mm. prohibitively prohibitively (laughs) (laughs) prohibitively expensive so she uh included the recipes Uh, um and if we we can remember and we'll post them and you can try them yeah yeah so (sighs) thanks to both of them yes for writing in you too can write us um our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com we're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at FoodStuffHSW, stands for How Stuff Works. We're also on Instagram at FoodStuff. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, thank you to our super producer, Dylan Fagan, who I would be looking at if he were in the room with us, but he's still out recording another podcast. Dylan, how could you? Dylan! Dylan, are you a villain? Oh. No, he's lovely. He is. He's very lovely. Anyway, 
Uh, yes. Thanks, thanks to all y'all. We hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348 With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.